Got a good show for you today, but first I wanted to make a request that you subscribe, that you share this with someone else, and that you encourage them to become a healthy hunter. Now we got a great show today. It's a little different. It's going to challenge you. You're going to learn something that I guarantee. Listen. Rise before the sun. It's that time of year. Load up my gun. Put on my gear. Welcome back to the Healthy Hunter Show. I'm Dr. Brooks Tiller. And here we go with another great show. I am honored to have a biologist, a professor, a coach, an amazing storyteller, one of the best spokesmen and voice that we have as outdoorsmen. And on top of that, he is a loving husband and a father. It's just an honor to have him here today. He grew up in South Africa, and he moved to the United States, pursued his education. He is the creator of Blood Origins, which is what you probably know him most for. And through Blood Origins, he produces incredible films where he documents the stories and shares the who and the why behind more than just hunting, but cuts to the core of what hunting and the outdoors means to us. Hunting is truly in this man's blood. I am honored to welcome Dr. Robbie Kroger to the Healthy Hunter Show. Welcome, Doc. I don't think I've ever had an intro like that before. And the fact that you dug up a, the coach in there, that means you've done your research, my friend. Well, as a, uh, I, I did a little coaching myself, and I got to dig around, and you're a soccer coach, I saw, and I was pretty impressed. Yeah, I was. Uh, that was when I was a professor at Mississippi State, and there was a Scottish soccer uh, coach who's the, the woman's head coach at Mississippi State University, and I had played, I was a goalkeeper at a very high level in Germany when I was 17 years old and he uh, found out I was a goalkeeper and he said I need a goalkeeper coach I can't pay you anything but I'll give you all the free Adidas gear that you could possibly want <laughs> and I was like sold working for gear working for gear <laughs> so, I've yeah. done that yeah completely so Right now, I would like to know, just to start off, what mm -hmm. is something good in your world? What is something you're grateful for today? Oh, just grateful for the two boys and grateful that we're safe and sane and specifically sane in this uh, COVID-19 rubbish. Yes. Um, but um, yeah, I think that, you know, I've, I'm blessed that I have a, a great job that is essentially a remote working job anyway. Uh, Blood Origins is not my day job. Um, that is a passion project on the side and I have a full-time job, uh, that, uh, is in environmental consulting. And so, yeah, we're just truly blessed to be able to have that job. Uh, the boys are at home. The boys finished school yesterday. So tomorrow we're going on a little road trip. So just, uh, blessed on, on many, many fronts. Man, that's that's awesome. And, you know, like you said, I don't know when folks will be listening to this, but right now we are in the midst of this COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic and things can be drab. Things can be a little disheartening if you depending on how much you watch the news. But uh, it's great that we can find the positive, that we can find the good things mm -hmm. uh, in just a daily life. And mm -hmm. And, you know, I want to just dive straight in, uh, just go and get in the deep end right here. Mm -hmm. And 
because Blood Origins is really the story of you, if you will. Um, it's your you said your passion project, but it all started on because of of you and and, and the story that you tell in the first episode, the first season. And just tell us a little bit about Blood Origins, what it is, and what it means to you, and and why you're why you're doing this. Well, actually, I'll, I'll actually correct you. Blood Origins isn't okay. about Blood Origins isn't about me. It might have started with my story, right? But it had to start with someone's story, and so why not mine? Right. Um, but the Blood Origins project is about us. It's about you, Brooks. It's about Cuz Strickland. It's about Jana Walla. It's about no-name Joe Blow who lives down the street. About essentially showcasing two things. And, and it's interesting that you said it's the what and it's the who and the why, right? Right. So Blood Origins is focused on the who and the why of the hunting community. And it's unique in that as you actually said it, you you mentioned that Blood Origins was Robbie Kroger. Well, that makes sense because there's not very many brands, projects, platforms, organizations. I'll take organizations out of that mix. That isn't about a person. But Blood Origins isn't about Robbie Kroger. Blood Origins is purposely about everyone else. It's about the us, not about the I. And so you take that frame of reference and you say, okay, well, everyone has a story. Brooks, you have a story. Jenna down the street has a story. Harry in New Zealand has a story. And it's just a matter of figuring out how to capture that story in a way that conveys the heart of who we are as hunters. And 99% of the time, that heart is not about pulling the trigger or killing an animal. It's a part of who we are as hunters. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. But 99% of the time, there's something else there. Maybe it's family, maybe it's tradition, maybe it's conservation, maybe it's health, maybe it's fitness. Those are the stories we want to show. The, those, the, the, that's the, the perception that hunting is all about killing has, has essentially killed our industry. And so how do we try and resurrect that? How do we try and resurrect our, the perception around hunting? Well, we do it by returning to our roots. And our roots are storytellers. We're storytellers, naturally. That's what we used to be around sitting around campfires. So let's do it again. Let's just let's just go and do it. And that's what Blood Origins set out to do. That's that's beautiful, Robbie. And we could end the show right now, and I think everybody <laughs> has got a I mean, we just and I'll be honest. So we mentioned Cuz Strickland and, mm -hmm. and Cuz is a mentor of mine, a guy that I look up to tremendously. And if we talk about Cuz, he changed and he almost invented the outdoor television. Mm -hmm. And I put you up 
at the level of Cus Strickland because of with blood origins you have changed mm-hmm. the outdoor media mm-hmm. because your stories are not like you said they're not about killing something it's about who's the person there but it's also one of those shows that anybody can watch you mm-hmm. can watch it with someone who doesn't hunt you can watch it with you know a vegetarian or a vegan mm-hmm. and you know my wife will watch those with me and it's you don't have the whispering that you know just kind of you're like why are people whispering after they just shot a gun you know and right those kind of things but it, you tell the story and like you said it's a storyteller sitting around the campfire telling the story of while we're out here of what brings us to the woods or even the food that brings us out there mm-hmm. and that i appreciate so much and anybody who hasn't seen any blood origins needs to tune in because uh, I'm not an emotional kind of guy, but some of those stories will hit you. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I mean, I'll, I've, I've been a fan of yours since day one, since season one came out. I appreciate and, that. Like I said, with Cuz Strickland being uh, a mentor and friend, I watched that one. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I, I was I was taken aback because you pull out stories, you pull out things in a man who pretty much created the outdoor industry, he's mm-hmm. been on he's been on TV or behind the camera for as long as I've been alive, and you bring out some emotion in him that I didn't know was there, and it was really impressive. Well, I think you, you've you've unpacked a bunch there, so I'll try and hit on a couple of things. Number one, we had to be different because we were showcasing a different side of who we are as hunters. It couldn't look like anything else out there so we chose to be different we chose to film differently we chose to be serious now look there's a couple of bloopers that we're starting to throw in there that's you know that we do have a good time you know i'm a a pretty um i like to joke around kind of guy but i also am a very serious individual and i take the project very very seriously and so that's the tone we set with the project and a lot of people go well, why is it so serious and i said well because it has to be serious right this is something that if we don't take seriously it's not going to be around for my kids and my grandkids one day so that's why it looks different that's why it feels different secondly i think that a lot of people were worried or not they're not no a lot of people aren't worried it's very difficult to communicate emotion. It's very difficult, especially for guys, to be vulnerable and to connect with, with who they are in a vulnerable sense. And that's what we chose to do. We chose to be emotional. We chose to be vulnerable. We chose to film it so close and up, up and personal that you just can't help but watch somebody start crying right Right. and that's going to pull on your heartstrings and that's going to make you sit there and watch it even more um thirdly you know being put in the ranks of a cuz strickland you know cuz cuz as you said he 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 started the outdoor industry in terms of filming that he was the pioneer in that in that space and i think we're at a i think we're at a point now with blood origins that we're ready to we're ready to evolve into and morph into who we're not who we're always meant to be but we've laid the tracks now 
to take us to the next level where we want to go. And it's and it's quite simple in that you express that Blood Origins is the has been has showcased the why and the who very well. Well, we're about to step into the what realm as well. The the essentially taking the why, the who, and the what, and packaging it into a statement that simply is conveying the truth around hunting. We want to convey the truth. We want to show the truth. We want to story tell the truth. We want to disseminate the truth. We want to show that the truth is emotional, is rational, is based in science, is based in fact, is vulnerable, is transparent. All of those things that we typically haven't seen in our in our lifestyle in our community all those elements that make us hunters that's what we're going to focus on and and if, if you've started following us here recently you've almost tangibly seen that you felt it through our our content that there's this we've pivoted a little bit we've pivoted to being more in-depth storytellers uh to showcasing our community around the world our outfitters especially in the COVID-19 situation so I unpacked a lot right there but I just wanted to you know obviously Cuz is, is a hero of ours and a mentor to the project too um, and really set us on a trajectory to be successful in terms of his thoughts and what he imbued into the project really early on yeah and I've seen and you're talking about the what, and I really appreciate that because you've even started sharing a little bit more of yourself to share these things on you know, Instagram and to share a little bit more of the stories that people probably are not seeing. Mm-hmm. You and, and that's one thing I noticed is you shared you were talking about the the healthy aspect of deer meat versus beef. Hundred percent. And you were talking about how you even mentioned the four percent of America right now is not afraid that hamburger meat is $8 a pound because we have freezers full. Exactly. And, and in that you also, and I remember in Instagram, I think you were a video, you were talking about as an outdoorsman, we need to embrace those folks who are now looking for guns or looking to learn how to hunt or fish because now is an oppor- it's an opportunity to welcome them instead of pointing fingers saying, I told you so. Exactly. And and you you've conveyed that better than better than almost anyone that I've seen out there. And I really appreciate the fact that you've talked about that. And and I and the, whenever you started talking about the venison versus beef, mm-hmm. man, that really attracted me as a as a big health and fitness guy. I was like, that's exactly what I'm talking about. So that was one of those things that really, 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 really got me. Um, noticing that you're going more into that what direction which is amazing because like you said it's a stair stepping and you're just growing more into mm-hmm. what what the good lord needs you to be and where he needs you to do yeah the that little video we've been tossing around this idea of a talking head we call it a talking head right it's somebody who just sits in front of a camera and talks essentially it's almost like a podcast but it's not you're just you're just talking to a right. camera and um we started thinking about what it wanted to. Again, we're always about feeling and 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 what does it look like and how does somebody interact with it and how do you make it a little bit more punchy and we figured out what we wanted. And then this whole COVID-19 situation came down and I just was like, this is crazy, man. You know, this idea that 
our food supply chain is broken and it's breaking because of COVID. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm a hunter. I don't, it's not affecting me. And so it was almost like an opportunity to put this message out there. That is, man, we've got full freezers and those full freezers means a peace of mind that the majority of Americans don't get. And the whole scary messaging around food supply chain breaking doesn't pertain to us because Again, we have all this meat and we know it's healthy. We know it's, you know, it's the animal lived its best life. We know that it lived in as, as, as calmer conditions as possible. The, the meat is, you know, dare I say organic. It's hormone free. It's antibiotic free. It's as healthy of a choice that you could possibly ever make. You tie it in with the locavore movement. You tie it in with, you know, carbon footprints and and all these other elements and people are starting to get intrigued by it and then you add in the the idea that when you start thinking about how much it costs for us to take a white-tailed deer or harvest an elk that meat is exceptionally expensive when you have to break down the cost of that per ounce right Right. It's probably five times, six times higher than filet mignon. Exactly. Yet we're it tastes so, better. It tastes better, but we're so willing to part with it. We're so willing to give it away. Come get it, right? Come get some ground meat. Come get a leg of deer, you know? Come get some tenderloin. You hear it all the time. But I can guarantee you, you've never heard anyone go to the grocery store buy ribeyes, buy filet mignons, buy racks of ribs, come home, call up their mates and say, you want a filet mignon? You want a ribeye? You want some ribs? I just bought some from the grocery store. I'll give them to you. Never happens. Never. Why? It's not. I think it's the, the big thing is that we're not, we're not wanting that. I mean, we're not, it's not that I'm trying to think of the right word here, Robbie. I think the big thing is we are proud and we have that sense of accomplishment that we are providing and we are, we can help someone else through what we have done through our hard labor. Mm -hmm. Well, you, you nailed it. It's the providing part of things. It's the, which is an element of who we are as hunters, right? We are providers. We've also talked about being protectors, right? The protectors of wildlife. But we're also the providers. And so inherently, whether it's it's genetic or instinctual, there's this thing to when we hunt to provide that meat to our families, number one. But also, again, if you, you know, you want to get philosophical for a second, you know, going back to almost our roots, our hunter-gatherer roots, you're providing for this community that's relying on you as a hunter. And so I think that just inherently, instinctually, you're willing to give it away. There's just no second thought about it. Nobody ever, and I, you know, if we, we polled a hundred hunters out of a hundred hunters, I guarantee you'd be a hundred out of a hundred that didn't think if somebody said, Hey, can I have some venison? Nobody would have in their brain goes, okay, let me figure out how much it cost yeah. to have that piece of meat. It doesn't happen. But I think to your point, you go to the grocery store and you buy it, there, there is a disconnection there 
of provision. There's a disconnection of providing. That is sourcing. I, 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 I don't know what the real term, term is. I say sourcing, but there's just the provision of that, of that meat is not there anymore. And maybe that's where the disconnection occurs, that you just don't see it being offered as something that you give away for free. I think you're exactly right. It's We are sourcing out the hard work to someone else. The, you know, you go kill it and drag it home to someone else. And I want you just to do everything. I'm just going to pick it up and eat it. That's that's what we're trying to do. And and like you said, it's it's that providing that bringing it home that that really means a lot to outdoorsmen, to us as hunters, that we are able and willing to give that to someone. We don't think about the cost. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost a sense of pride. It's that we can we can do this and we can help you. And I've done that with many of my friends over this whole thing is, Hey, do you have enough food? Do you, are you doing okay? And a lot of them are like, Hey, I'm good right now. But if I'm running low, I know where to come. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it makes me a little, you know, I have a smile that not, yes, they know they can count on me for food. They know that if times get real tough, they can come, to my house, we have food. We can go fish. We can go hunt something else if we have to. Mm-hmm. We will be fine. We can grow vegetables. We we will be good. But like you said, that's only a small portion of America right now and maybe even a smaller portion of the world. Oh, 100%. Yeah, that's, that's so critical that we do that, though. And I, I really appreciate the way that you are doing that. And and even the way that you are presenting it, it's helped me, and I think it will help others to be able to approach those who do not see hunting the way that we do, mm-hmm. that do not view the the world as we do as a hunter. And even during all this time, because of the the COVID, they're talking about, oh, it may have came from an animal that was in a market somewhere. You know, we don't see it because. The news, we only see little bits and pieces of what's going on in the world, but they're still the anti-hunting establishment. They're still trying to get hunting outlawed because, oh, this came from wild meat. We need to only eat. We only uh, need to eat Brooks, tamed I, I wish things. you hadn't gone down this rabbit hole. <laughs> well, I'll say this. Number one, Blood Origins was built for the non-hunting audience. Okay. It wasn't built for hunters. Right. And so that was that's the difference. Again, we've talked about why Blood Origins is different. That's why it's different. Sure, can hunters look at us and, and show and get an idea of how maybe they should be communicating and storytelling? Absolutely. But we're just sticking content out there into the digital space that is for the non-hunter to say, oh, wow, I never thought about that. I never realized hunters were like that. So this whole idea of COVID coming from game wild game and the anti-hunters now deciding to get on their bandwagons and if any of your listeners think that the anti-hunting community has taken a break over this uh, situation uh, they'd be sorely wrong they've actually doubled down their efforts and it's not just um it's not just in the press in terms of trying to link COVID to wild game meat and shut down the whole idea of trophy hunting and hunting across the world. But it's actually permeated now into uh, a couple of bills that are being presented at the state level 
across the United States. I saw one coming out of New York tied to um, the butchering. It's actually the slaughtering and butchering of wildfowl and other meats. And so I don't have a problem with slaughtering because that's the whole wild situation. The li- so not, not the wild, sorry, the live situation. But adding the all butchering will essentially shut down butcher shops. Any, you know, any butcher shop in New York that's trying to provide a quality of meat or a specialty meat is likely to be shut down if that bill passes in New York. Now, that's not nearly as bad as what's going to happen in California. Um, so we will be releasing a video on Sunday, and I don't know when this will drop. So on on Sunday, the twenty fourth of May, we dropped. We'll drop a video on a Senate bill uh, called eleven seventy five in California. It's actually being brought to the floor in California next Tuesday. And what this bill used to be called was the Iconic African Species Protection Act. And to make it simple, what California wants to do is they want to ban the import of every single African piece of taxidermy to come into the state of California. So if anybody in California wants to go hunt in Africa and they want to bring back a piece of the trophy, they will not be allowed to do it if this bill passes. So... But they've gotten smart. And so the Californians, uh, this guy, the senator, Henry Stern, has actually changed the name of the bill now. And and if you go online, you can see it crossed out. Now it's tied to COVID and the banning of live markets and wet markets, which clearly California doesn't have any of them. Right. But the entire language associated with the iconic African Species Protection Act is still buried in it. And it's just absolutely, you know, when you start thinking about these acts and these regulations, one, they're being being pushed and sponsored by, you know, anti-hunting groups, animal rights activists, um, that have this idea that by banning the import of trophies by banning the import of taxidermy we're actually going to be saving wildlife <laughs> unfortunately the opposite is going to happen right wildlife will be decimated because they don't have a value anymore and if they have no value there's no reason to keep them around anymore and all you have to do is you just do a little bit of research little bit of data gathering and you will find that regardless of where you are in the world america canada uganda tanzania south africa pakistan where you have hunting where you have the sustainable utilization of wildlife the sustainable utilization sustainable use conservation model you see increases of wildlife. And so it's just, it's absolutely ludicrous. And so um, that is the rabbit hole that I didn't want to disappear down, but it's a, uh, it's, it's near and dear to my heart because it's almost like you can't ignore the science. Science speaks louder than emotions. 
And, and what's amazing is those that are speaking with emotions, they try to quote science. Or they, well, they try make to up twist their pseudoscience. The science. Yeah, they make up their pseudoscience. Right. Yeah, and and that's one of those things, like you said, like it's the sustainable, it's the conservation aspect. It's, And I believe that you have really shared that. You've really shown that in what you do personally, but also through Blood Origins, that it is about the conservation, and it's more than just the killing, and it's, you know, which is what they try to show is, oh, you know, a bunch of cold-blooded killers. And, and I think we all know that, but I think we don't see how that it can be twisted mm-hmm. in some of these bills. I mean, because right now everybody on the news is talking about coronavirus, and there may be every now and then you hear something about a gun law or a toilet paper shortage or a meat factory shortage, but that's when I think these uh, politicians – they can they can snake a, a few little bills here and there in that we don't notice mm-hmm. and get these things passed. And and I'm really appreciative of you bringing those things up and kind of pointing them out because a lot of people, maybe they're focused on other things or just sick and tired of hearing it, so they're not even listening to the news right mm-hmm. now. And that's really critical, and I'm, I'm grateful for you for pointing these things out that we can know what's going on and hopefully – uh, bring it up and, and talk about it and put a stop to it. Yeah, I, and, you know, that's, I would say the kudos needs to go to the Sportsman's Alliance. It's a great organization here in the United States that is pretty much fighting. They're on the front lines from a state by state perspective, fighting these crazy regulations that get brought forward all the time. You'll be absolutely amazed at how many regulations are you know, on the dockets in different states all the time, pushing against hunting, pushing against trapping, pushing against predator control. The Sportsman's Alliance is is who needs the applause. They're just, they're correct. They're absolutely, can't say enough good things about them. Yeah, they are great folks. I met a few of them uh, this past summer and, I mean, just so knowledgeable and wanting to hear from other people of, hey, what do we need to do more of? What do you want to hear? And they were just so great. But I do think there's a lot of organizations like that, like Sportsman's Alliance is a great one to check into. And, you know, if you're going to try to help someone out as far as monetarily, they're the ones actually fighting for us whenever we have a lot of people fighting against us out there. No doubt. 100%. They are our fighters. And you got to have you have a fighter every now and then, and which you've had a few fighters on your show, uh, which 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 uh, you know which and then uh, which is a great thing because, and you like you said you're a former athlete, so we're going to switch over a little bit more into okay. the, the health aspect. Yeah, we'll kind of we'll, we'll get more out of the uh, the drab politic politics and all that stuff, but I, we have to know about that things. It's good, but uh, this being the Healthy Hunter Show, I want to know a little bit about. Your health and fitness. I when I see you on, on Instagram and you're doing a post, I can tell that you're you're not a, you're not a slob when it comes to <laughs> health and fitness. And and when you do some some adventures, I mean, when you're out filming this stuff, there's times whenever you are, you know, you're in the swamp with Joey, or you're in the mountains, or you know, you'll go and you're you know with with um, uh, Miss Byers, you'll follow her arrow. You're 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 around the mountains chasing her around. 
and filming all this, you're you're not a slob, that's for sure. And uh, you know, I can tell just from watching you. But I want to know a little bit about your health and fitness routine and, mm-hmm. and how you're staying fit and healthy because you are filming these episodes and you've got to be ready to go where these people are and and keep up with them. Yeah, well, I don't want to give away all of our secrets, but um, right, our filming is very mundane. We, we typically do not go on hunts with people. Um, we will get B-roll from them and we will marry it around it. So what you see in, in terms of the B-roll of people, that some 98% of the time wasn't filmed by us. Okay? Gotcha. But uh, in terms of my fitness routine, re- regime, I've been, you know, I've been a sportsman all my life. I, I played semi-professional soccer when I was 17 in Germany. Came back to South Africa, played at the highest league of the under-19s. We won everything. You know, I've been been very, very active my entire life and still very much am today. I'm a 4 a.m. riser, knock out an hour workout in the mornings, and I'm typically at the office ready to roll 6, 6.20 in the morning and, and punch my card uh, so that I can get home by, you know, 4, 4.30, so that I can be with the kids for a couple of hours. And then I'll put in a couple of hours of Blood Origins, and I will be in the bed. And my friends joke with me all the time, because they'll, you know, they'll start calling me around 8.50, 9 o'clock, and I'm like, look, I'm I'm in the bed already. I'm like, man, you're an old man. And I said, man, I'll tell you what, you know, if I'm getting up at 4 a.m. every day, I need to go to sleep early. Right. And I don't know if you've listened to that uh, podcast by Joe Rogan. By his name was, he was a, a sleep psychologist or sleep, sleep neurologist, Matthew something. I can't remember his last name. But I've listened to that two or three times. And it scared the pants off of me in terms of sleep deprivation and what it does for you. And um Alzheimer's and all sorts of things. So I try and get, you know, at least seven hours every night, um, work out pretty much every day. I'll take one day a week off typically. Um, so yeah, that's health is very important to me and I want to be ready for big hunts as they materialize. I want to do adventures. Um, I'm not a sheep hunter kind of deal. That's not going to be my thing, but you know, going off to chasing uh, Asiatic water buffalo in the backyards of Australia or Cape Buffalo in South Africa. You know, I want to be able to go all day and be able to, you know, if the if the situation gets crazy, jump up a tree if I need to, you know. Right. And you have two young boys. Exactly. And being healthy and fit, if for nothing else, you can play Yep. And you have the energy after a long day of work to come home to them. And that's one of the things I always talk about is, you, you know, being a healthy hunter does not mean that you have to climb a mountain. It, But you have the health and energy to make it back home. You know, whether it's a long day of work or if you're in the woods, who cares what you do when you're in the woods if you can't make it back home? Mm-hmm. And And I think it's really important that we know just whether it's, kids or, or our you know grandkids one day that we're healthy and fit to be there for them 
and to teach them how to how to hunt and fish. And I think that's really, really important. No, that's you're absolutely right. You know, being able to go bike riding with the kids and take them hiking and take them camping. My boys are eight and six right now and you know, they're slowly starting to turn on to you know, doing things with dad and going off on weekends with dad and whatnot. So yeah, I want to be able to do all of that. And I want to be able to do all of that through their, you know, teens and into their twenties. And that means I just need to stay fit and I need to stay eating healthy. And I eat pretty healthy all week. Um, I'm not a fascist when it comes to my diet. Uh, I like to, on a Saturday and Sunday, you know, have a beer and have a pizza and, you know, stuff my face full of cake for, for two days. And then I'm back on the wagon on Monday through Friday. So, Right. Live a little life, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And when it comes to you're talking about your kids, how are you how are you sharing the outdoors, but also setting that example of being active with them and, and in front of them? You know, it's it's tough. I'll say that it's um, because, it, it, you know, I think we're all a little selfish and. Me specifically, I am a little selfish when it comes to, you know, wanting to hunt by myself, wanting to go hunt with friends, um, wanting to go or needing to go travel for Blood Origins and the boys can't come. It's almost, I've got to purposely like stop, refocus and say, okay, let's get the boys um into these situations that you want them to be in right that's the whole reason i want them to be hunters i want them to experience things that i never got to experience in south africa and up until now they've shown they haven't shown much interest and you know every kid's different right this you know i've seen kids that are six years old that are just like all over deer hunting and all over duck hunting they're all over everything my kids my boys aren't like that um but they're starting to show interest now. And so I'm just starting to pay attention more to that and slow down a little bit. This whole COVID-19 situation has really forced me to reevaluate priorities and, and slow down a little bit and just say, okay, let's figure out how we get them in to do X more or Y more. And, um, yeah, so that's good. I mean, I like to ask, folks that I know who have kids because I have a just turned five just turned three you know two and two year two kids and they're you know two years apart kind of like yours but you know as a five-year-old and a three-year-old I'm I'm wanting them to get out more and and try to encourage them but I don't want to like you said be pushy and and let them be themselves and let them uh, almost come to it naturally not because oh I did it because dad did it but Mm -hmm. I I want to expose them to it, like you said, and that's all. Always ask for those little nuggets of advice because I think that's really good that you're not pushing it. And it's just with anybody that we want to introduce to the outdoors, we we can't push it on them. And once again, back to blood origins, that's one of those things that you don't push hunting on people. They could watch the show and may not even realize that it's an hunting type show. Uh, depending on which one you watch, you may not realize it's a hunting show until the very end or the next episode. And so that's really, really key, I think, to to not be pushy, but uh, let it let it kind of happen as it will. 
yeah, they're, and they're definitely, you know, each of them has their personalities. Each boy has their personalities. And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I'm taking my eight-year-old deer hunting this year. And I'm like, man, my eight-year-old's not ready. Like, my eight-year-old just barely likes to shoot a two-two. Like, he's not even obsessive around that. He's obsessive about his pellet gun. He just is not ready for that yeah. next step. And so I'm not going to push it. Like you like you said, I'm not going to push it at all. So that's awesome. I mean, being ready, that's key. And um, I know we've talked about a lot of different things here, and I, I want to be respective of your time, but a few questions I kind of want to end with. And what is if you had to list a couple of your favorite blood origin episodes mm. uh, you, what you, you can you can go in depth on on to maybe one that you really got into or maybe just list a couple of your top 3 or 4 that you think people really should check out you know um cuz strickland's episode obviously super yeah. emotional you know everyone knows cuz but you've never heard this side of Cuz. Um, number two, Jeremy Austin. He dropped in October last year. Double-legged amputee got blown up by an IED in Afghanistan. Lost both his legs. Um, I'll tell you a quick story about Jeremy Austin. I hope this doesn't offend your audience. No, please um, do. So Jeremy Austin has a tattoo this will give me a good idea of who you are brooks all right jeremy austin has a tattoo on his wrist called dbap do you know what dbap stands for i'm not sure okay <laughs> so jeremy is in the backyard kids are gone and, and wife's gone shopping and he decides he's going to mow the lawn starts mowing the lawn and the lawnmower breaks and so now he's trying to fix it he can't get it fixed he's like all right let me go take it to the lawnmower shop and he wheels it over to the truck and now he has to lift the lawnmower obviously on two prosthetics into the back of the truck and he struggles and he struggles and he struggles and he can't do it and when he gets it almost into the back of the truck the lawnmower falls on him and he falls over and he, he almost like just lashes out at the lawnmower and he's just pissed off at the world and he looks up at God and he says, why me? Like, why, why did you do this to me, Lord? <laughs> and, he, and he said he audibly heard the Lord say to him, quit being a... And get up. You're alive, aren't you? And he said, and he was like, yep, I'm definitely still alive for a reason. And so he went to the tattoo artist that day. And he got DBAP tattooed on the inside of his wrist. And DBAP stands for don't be a... <laughs> And he's got that tattooed on the inside of his wrist. For a guy that has, who's a double-legged amputee. Yeah. It's like, jeez. If that's somebody like that, jeez, I've got nothing to complain about, right? 
Yeah, we think we have it bad. We think we're having a hard day. <laughs> um, the other one that I will say, the last one I'll say is Braxton McCoy. We just dropped Braxton McCoy two weeks ago. Um, That's a good one. Yeah, just go watch it. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Man. What's your favorite one? Cuz. What's your second um, favorite one? Second favorite... I really liked uh, Joey mm-hmm. in season one, and it was interesting because you got a big burly guy in the swamp once again, and he, you know him talking about his faith and how it impacted him, and and just the way he felt like he had let his family down, mm-hmm. and I mean that that hit me hit me hard when I saw it, and. Uh, since then, I've actually had the pleasure of meeting Joey and talking to him, but that one, that one hit me pretty hard. And and, and knowing Cuz, of course, that one, you know, you when you got you got Cuz choked up, that was that was something. But uh, Cuz and Joey were probably two that I would say were really, I'd say my favorite because they got me hooked on you. Mm-hmm. They got me hooked on Blood Origins, mm-hmm. and um, they were just really really big to me. But. Um, I think another one was um, uh, the the follow follow your arrow, follow her arrow. Mm-hmm. Just Byers. Uh, just Byers. Yeah, and um, that was a good one because it was a look at how the ugly side of hunting. Yes, how ugly mm-hmm. we can be to someone who's walking the same way we are, standing side by side. Mm-hmm. And I I watched that one with my wife and. She was a little taken back at how ugly people could be. Well, it's funny that you say that. A lot of people watched Jess's episode and they were like, we half expected you to say X or we half expected you to say Y. We half expected you to say jealous girlfriend or, uh, you know, something like that. And never did we once think that you were going to say full grown mature men. Yeah. Yeah, and that was the thing that got me. Is I'm, I'm I've been in the forums and I've seen people trash other people for why did you kill that deer or I'd let him go or he'd been good next year, and even if it is in joking and in jest, like you don't know the story behind it. And I've been I've been able to write some some stories up for people, and one of my favorite that I wrote up was a guy who killed a six point buck, but you know, his son is, you know, he's on TV, but his dad had, ne- that was his dad. He's that's my dad's world record. Mm. And people don't understand that. And it was so cool because he was like, he's like, this is a deer that I personally would have let walk, but this was a world record for my dad. So I, I encouraged him to shoot it. And, you know, I think that 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 when Jess Byer is talking about that, it was really, it, it it hit me, it hurt me a little bit, but also, um, it, it made me want to be a little louder, a little more positive mm-hmm. to people for that reason of you know, hey, I don't know the reason why you're doing this. I'm not going to judge you for your reason for doing this or that. But I'm going to encourage you. And I, I found that for the fitness side, I'm not, I'm personally, I'm not a, let me show you what 
I can do. Let me show you how much I can lift or how far I can run kind of guy. That's just not me. And I believe that my job is to encourage everybody. If, if you're doing one push up a day, that's one more than you did yesterday. And that's all I'm worried about. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's really what's all that is just encouraging people to get better, to do better and not put somebody down. Cause you're not in their shoes. And I, that, that, you know, Jess Byers really hit Good. me for that. And made me think differently about Good. us as a, uh, you know, as, as one of those, you know, mature, and, and I really, I, I kind of hoped that she would have said, uh, grown, you know, grown boys. <laughs> I mean, that's what I was hoping to hear. Um, when she said mature men, I was like, they're, I, I wanted to say, Jess, they're not mature men. Yeah. Those are just, those are just grown boys Yeah, that need to grow up and become a man. That's really what I wanted to, you know, I wanted to tell her, but, um, and I said in my head, but, uh, th- those three were probably the biggest impact on me Good. Uh, just for what you did. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, man, I'm, I'm super grateful for you, for Blood Origins, for what you're doing as just, uh, you know, you've been a, a professor and and the the job you're doing as just for the environment outside of Blood Origins. I'm, I'm appreciative of everything that you're doing. I'm grateful for you coming on here right now. I just want to share that with you. But uh, one of the last questions I want to I want to give to you is a dream hunt. Mm-hmm. You can hunt with anybody, mm-hmm. anywhere, with anything. Mm-hmm. Who are you going to take? Where are you going to go? Mm-hmm. And what are you going after? Uh, I, I'm actually going to bend your rules a little bit. There's no rules here. So I will hunt with my grandfather. He is dead, unfortunately. Um, but I'm going to bend the rule for that. I'm going to hunt a Cape Buffalo. I'm going to hunt it in Mozambique. And I'm going to hunt it with his... Either his... The, we find his 416 Rigby. I know where it is, but I can't get it. Open sights. Or we find, if it's still around somewhere, his 457 Wesley Richards. Open sights... Cape Buffalo, Mozambique, with the grandfather who buried it in my blood and his son's blood and his grandson's blood, and now it's going to be in his great-grandson's blood. Man, that, that's a dream hunt. Heck no yeah. About it. Oh, and, and I'm going to go do it. Obviously not with him, but right. I will do it with a 416 Rigby, open sights. I'll kill a buffalo in Mozambique. And here's the other, here's the other connection to Mozambique. Naturally, my grandfather grew up there. I went there as, as a kid for holidays. But my training is I'm a wetland ecologist by training. That is, that's what I do and it's what I am. There's one of the biggest, most intact wetland complexes in the world in Mozambique called the Maromeo. And it's just about 500,000 hectares, which is about 1.2 million acres of just pure swamp. And the buffalo herds love it. And they've actually come back. Uh, they used to be hundreds of thousands of heads strong. Went through a civil war in Mozambique and got ravaged and pillaged to maybe a couple of thousand buffalo left in some strongholds deep in the swamp. And when they turned it over into hunting concessions or kutadas, they call them, kutada 9, kutada 10, 
Now today, the Buffalo populations are back to 20, 30, 40,000. And so it's just a testimony to, it would be an almost like a testimony to everything wrapped up into one, right? My family in the blood, wetland ecologist, Buffalo hunters bringing populations back from uh, almost decimation to now, you know, an overabundance of animals. It would, just, it would be a, it would be a dream that one for sure it's your whole life story tied up with a bow yeah for sure and and i love that and man there's no bending the rules right there man (laughs) i mean because hunting with my grandpa one more time would be on my list for sure and and i know if anyone hasn't seen season one episode one of of your of blood origins that's your story if you will Mm -hmm. and and it all you know the whole blood origins comes from the letter that you got that's right from your grandfather and um i think that's that's kind of the the uh, the thought that i had that that might have been your answer but i wanted to hear it uh, (laughs) from you but dr robbie kroger i I am so honored that you came on that you shared so much with us i think that we have a lot to lot to chew on from your knowledge but i encourage everybody to go out and watch blood origins it's going to it's going to make you think it's going to change you for the better but where else can we find you where can we find all the episodes and and where can we find more about you robbie uh you can find all the episodes on youtube you can also find all the episodes just lying in bed on amazon prime so you just click on your Roku stick or your Fire stick or whatnot and go to Amazon Prime and you'll find season one through four right now all loaded up. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, find us on Facebook, find us on Twitter. Just type in Blood Origins into any of those platforms and uh, you'll find us. Man, thank you so much, Robbie. Thank you, buddy. Man, it's been a great, great show. This is one of my favorites so far and you have, man, you have, far exceeded uh, what I thought and I had pretty high <laughs> expectations for you. So Thank you, you. you've done a great job and I really appreciate it. Thank you, Brooks. Yes, sir. Stay humble, be hungry and get healthy. Thank you again for tuning in. If you would subscribe and share this with someone that you think would enjoy this show, someone that wants to be a healthy hunter, someone that you want to challenge to become a healthy hunter. Always tag us on social media at Dr. Brooks Diller or at Healthy Hunter Show. Greatly appreciate it. Y'all are wonderful. Have an amazing day.